It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's time for the best and brightest moment of your week. It's time for that show you love and that show that you seek. It's time for nonsense. 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 The show. The best damn show you know. The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Under 17, not admitted without parents. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nonsense the Show, episode 220, that's 220, season 2, episode 20, that's right, we're doing pretty good. Starting the show off tonight with a little bit of a Firefest vibe, 2021. My buddy Ja Rule in the house, he's a fine, trustworthy businessman, he's about to tell you a little bit about how to live it up. All right, Ja, just relax, pal. All right, give it a second. Hang on. One more. All right, we know what to do, how to live it up. Thanks, Ja Rule. Now shut it down and let me get on with the show. The people didn't pay the high entrance fee to listen to this show to hear Ja Rule talk about living it up. No, 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 no. They came here and they paid that fee and they traveled all that way so they could listen to Captain Nick talk about nonsense. I reject your reality and substitute my own. That's right, Mr. Savage. This is a show wherein we live in our own little world, our own little happy, nonsensical, silly willy, uh, happy, slappy world. It's a place where I show up once a week out of the, the mysterious ethers of the internet, and I tell you about books and movies and history and treasure and stories and songs and silly, stupid sound effects. It's like the most evolved version of morning radio shock jockery there ever was, and to be totally honest with you guys, I'm kind of surprised that nobody's offered me a $100 million contract yet. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's how I feel about it. Um, we'll go into getting me paid later. You guys do have an opportunity if you would like. This is not a, a, an obligation. Don't feel fucking pressured. But if you like what I do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to support me financially, which is going to go a long way towards helping me achieve a very, very special goal uh, that you don't know about yet. But you're going to because you get to participate. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but I got a lot of money to raise, and I want to do it uh, with these dulcet tones of my soothing, sensual voice. That's right. Okay. Prepare to be astonished. Is that so? What do we have in store for you guys tonight on episode 220 of Nonsense the Show? Uh, a show in which I don't have a name for it yet. I have not... Settled on it, which I often don't. I often don't pick a name until somewhere in the show I say something that sounds good or something occurs to me, and then I write it down, and you guys have to listen while I write notes on my notepad. Um, <clears throat> I guess before we get into the show, there is something that we need to do. Last week, I completely forgot in, in, my, in my gleeful joy about recording this show, um, I totally forgot to mention our sponsor, and that's downright foolish and stupid of me, and, and I sincerely apologize. So tonight... Um, to make up for my my serious faux pas last week, what I did was I spent about two hours before the show started drinking <laughs> drinking a lemonade cocktail from the Tin City Distillery and my friends at Paso Wine Shine, who make the best nachos in Central California, by the way. Not as like a business thing. This is just something they do at home for themselves, so you can't have any of them, but they're fucking incredible. Trust me, I've heard rumors. 
Um, I know people on the inside. Um, so I've been drinking the shit out of this uh, lemonade cocktail. I've given some of it to my family. I have uh, some friends that are going to get some soon. Um, Pat is going to put together a, a, a code for us so that he can track how many of you decide you want to um, follow my sponsorship advice. Um, so far, what I will tell you is that you will not regret buying some of this lemonade cocktail from Paso Wineshine and the Tin City Distillery. Um, that's all I have to say about that. You'll hear me drinking it all night. Watch, listen. Ooh, some of you are going to hate that noise. Sorry. <laughs> all right, I guess we should probably get on with the show, right? We should probably start talking about some important stuff that you guys are here for. Don't rush me, big boy. Oh, it's going to be like that, is it? Listen, let's all just relax. We're going to get into the show in a minute. But, uh, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where sometimes you have to ease your way in. you got to do a little blabbering, a little jib-jab. It's kind of like when you watch late night TV and they do a monologue. It's to ease you into the show. It's to get you warmed up. What is your major malfunction, numbnuts? Oh, come on. Get the fuck out of here. We're going to do this again? Every single week, you guys, while I'm trying to do the show, my computer starts sounding off. And it, and it, it causes problems because what happens is as I'm trying to talk to you... As I was saying, as I'm trying to talk to you guys, um, inevitably, the ghosts that live in my house... It's not boring. I'm talking about you. Can you just shut the fuck up for a second and let me... Okay. I'm good. I'm calm. I'm happy. I'm not annoyed at the ghosts that live in my house. Sweet mother of God, what is the holdup? Okay. You've interrupted me. You've distracted me. I'm trying to tell the people about you so they'll know what all these freaking noises are coming from because it's not my fault. And so if they get annoyed with it, I want them to know that it's not the fault of nonsense to show. This is a technical difficulty we can't avoid. I ain't saying you're a lying scumbag. Okay, I'm not a lying scumbag, okay? I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm trying to talk to the people about what's going on. Is that okay? Oh, that's good because I thought we had a problem for a minute there, huh? Oh, God. We don't have a problem. Here's what happens. The ghosts that live in this very uh, old historical house that I'm currently residing in, um, they've inhabited my computer, and every week they decide to screw with me by interrupting the show with their nonsense and their silliness, and they think it's justified, and I'm not entirely sure that I'm okay with it, and I just really wish they would stop, to be honest with you. I just can't do it, Captain. I do it half the time. Okay, really? Really? So sorry to interrupt. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Appreciate it. Can I can I get on with it now? Alrighty then. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so just don't mind them. Uh, try to find some enjoyment in it. I hope you guys find a laugh or two. Um, we'll just tolerate it as best we can. And and you know, usually I try to ignore them, but I can't even turn the computer off anymore. It's just on all the time. And sometimes they just make noises when I when they're bored. It's it's getting well. We'll go into that later. On the show tonight, I am going to tell you about um, a cross-border theft of a heavily important historical artifact sat upon by kings and queens. That's right. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Stone of Scone, or if you are local where the stone comes from, the Stone of Schoon. Um, I'm going to tell you about a monster that lives in the bayous of Louisiana. Cajun folk tell of a myth of a being called Latish, and I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you about the tomb of Genghis Khan because I don't think I've done that before, and if I have, forgive me, my memory shit. I drink and smoke a lot. <laughs> Actually, I don't even smoke anymore. I just eat it. Whatever. You get the point. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about a movie called Shipwrecked. Um, it's 1990. And uh, it's a phenomenal film. It's on Disney Plus right now. It was one of the things that instilled a love of piracy, big, tall boats, and the sea in me. If there's time, I'll tell you a little bit about a book I read once and will read again uh, called A Movable Feast by a man you may have heard of, a man that I have a great affinity for, a man by the name of Ernest Hemingway. That's right. I'm going to tell you a little bit about a book by Papa Hemingway. Um, and, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about, like I said earlier, how you can support the show. So we'll get into that later. Right now, let's get into the tomb of Genghis Khan. <clears throat> so this was uh, a part of the lost treasure series, but it's very, very short and, uh, it, it's, it's less treasure and more crypt tomb grave. So, 
I wasn't sure about it, but we're going to do it right now because I think it's interesting. Genghis Khan's death is shrouded in mystery. Genghis or Genghis? Does anybody know? Is it Genghis? I've always thought it was Genghis, but I think it might be Genghis Khan. I like Genghis better because that hard G is just very pleasant. Genghis. Um, as everybody knows, something like one-tenth or one-third of the human beings alive today can trace their DNA in some way, shape, or form to Genghis Khan. Some ridiculous number. Maybe it's not that high, but it's something fucking crazy. This dude, um, riding horses, carrying bows and fucking swords and having cool mustaches and hawks and shit, um, rode across the world and he conquered... I mean, he was he's on the level of a Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great, probably even greater. One of the greatest warlords and mass murderers in the history of ever. Genghis Khan's death is shrouded in mystery. The great Khan died in summer of 1227 during a campaign along the upper reaches of the Yellow River in Yinshuan. The real cause of his death remains unknown to this day. It is logical to assume that he died from injuries received during the battle. It is also logical to believe that these wounds did not come from an enemy arrow, as Italian explorer Marco Polo suggested, but from falling from his horse while hunting. The secrecy surrounding Genghis Khan's death gave birth to so much speculation and uh, later inspired an endless stream of apocryphal stories that hardly differentiate from pure fiction. Historians claim that many years before his death, Genghis Khan wished to be buried in an unmarked grave in the Burkhan Khaldun Mountains in Mongolia, obviously his home country. After the death of Genghis Khan, his body was transported by his soldiers back to his homeland, where he was buried at his own request in an unmarked grave somewhere in the heart of those Burkhan Khaldun Mountains. And please forgive my pronunciations, you guys. I'm doing my best. I'm just a dude from California, all right? (laughs) As he himself requested during his lifetime, the place was not marked in any way. No mausoleum, no temple, no tombstone. Based on the legends, every soldier involved in the burial was killed in order to keep the location secret. This dude was very, very serious about nobody knowing where his remains were kept. Other myths claim that his people released a thousand horses in the area to further hide any signs of human activity, and that they also uh, altered the flow of the nearby river to run over his grave. So imagine, I mean, let's just say all of those are true. Not only did they take him deep into these very remote, very rugged mountains, not only did they kill everybody involved with with burying him and, and you know digging his tomb there, They ran a thousand horses over the area to hide it, and then they moved a fucking river to make sure where he was buried stayed hidden. Now, after you killed all the people that built the tomb, I don't know who's left. And if there are a bunch of people that were there to kill them, then don't they know where the place is now and somebody's got to kill them? It's difficult. I don't know how this works. A large area of land surrounding the resting place of the Khan was later closed to the public and protected by soldiers, and even today, it remains sacred. After centuries of research and excavations, to this day, no trace of the tomb has been found. So while that is not a typical lost treasure story because it, it deals more with the, the remains of a, of a great leader and a historical figure, um, but, you know, I thought it was interesting. That's a fascinating character. I've read a couple of... Uh, uh, a couple of biographies about him and a couple of actually like uh, historical fiction novels about him too, that I really enjoyed. Uh, those were by a guy I'm pretty sure called con C O N N Goulden, I G G U L D U N something like that. Um, if you look him up, he's got a great Caesar series that I really, really like a whole bunch of other good stuff too. And now ladies and gentlemen, let's transport ourselves from the rugged mountains of Mongolia to the dark, dank, dangerous bayous of Louisiana. If you would for a minute, I'd like you to imagine taking a lazy swim in the bayou on a hot summer's day. The gators don't worry you much. They tend to steer clear of groups of humans so long as you don't surprise them. And so you can enjoy cooling off in the murky water as you laugh and joke with your friends. As you kick your feet, you feel something brush up alongside. At first you panic, thinking gator. But you quickly rationalize that rough-textured object as nothing more than a soggy log lurking beneath the water. But then, 
just as your heart rate drops to normal again and you're laughing at a friend trying to mount a rope swing. You feel another nudge. This time, it doesn't disappear. And you know you can't explain it away as some soggy piece of wood. Especially when you feel sharp teeth attached to powerful jaws sinking into your leg and dragging you into the depths. Dun, dun, dun. Within the subsection of American folklore, uh, that is, Cajun folklore, there is a whole encyclopedia's worth of legends and tales to absorb, which were a shitload of fun to read about, and there will be more of them featured in this show if you enjoy it. So if you enjoy this, let me know. Tell me you like the monster stories, (laughs) because there are a lot more monsters out there I can tell you about. One of the strangest and least well-defined of these stories is that of the Latiche. And I did a shitload of looking today, and I could not find a ton of information about this particular creature. Um, Online, it's mostly the same two or three paragraphs repeated ad nauseum. So um, if somebody is listening and knows more about this creature, I would love to have any resources available uh, or any other Cajun or whatever culture you happen to know, uh, monsters, myths, folklore, legends, whatever. That's my bread and butter, baby. That's the shit I love, and that's the shit I want to tell to you, the loyal listeners of Nonsense the Show. Depending on your source, the entity is either a spirit or a child-turned-beast. But in either case, the common thread is the relative youth of the creature. From the published novel Louisiana, A Guide to the State, the story unfolds that a Latiche is actually the soul of an unbaptized infant, which swims the bayous of Terrebonne Parish and has taken to the habit of overturning boats of unsuspecting passers-by. Yeah, I guess you're more likely to get knocked out of a boat than be swimming in the bayou, huh? You tell from California. <laughs> According to another legend that has roots in Native American culture, the Latiche is actually a human child that was taken in and raised by alligators. This, of course, had the effect of creating a monster, a half-human, half-gator, which craved flesh as sustenance. And that's all I could find about this fucking thing. So I want to know more. I'm going to keep looking. Ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated by monsters and myths and legends. Uh, There were like a handful of books at my library when I was a kid on vampires, werewolves, uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, you know, whatever, Loch, uh, Nessie, you know, the, the Loch Ness Monster, witches, a few other things. And I would check those things out over and over and over. And this is pre-internet, mind you, uh, or at least pre-home internet. Um, I would check these things out over and over and over again on our weekly library trips um, and just read them and I'd devour them. I just could not get enough. Um so that is a, a you know something we're going to be doing more of here. But one thing I did notice in the reading I did today about you know these the, these Cajun monsters, these these bayou creatures and myths, um, is that a lot of them have some connection to the gators, either mating with, uh, or, or 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 being eaten by um, the gators. So gators are are pretty pretty fucking prevalent down there. So be careful, don't swim in the bayou. You don't want to meet the Latish. All right, let's see what we're going to do here for a minute, guys. I feel like if we're going to um, keep doing this show the way we're doing it, we need to keep up with some fucking music. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm going to do right now, ooh, ooh, let's see. What are we going to go with? All right, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You ready? Um, <clears throat> we started off with a little job rule. We're going to kind of stick to the theme tonight because this is kind of what I'm into. So um, I got a new buddy in the house. Um, this is my friend and, and I'd like you to just bark like a dog for him Because of what he likes to do He likes to growl and bark and woof all the time Because he's a tough guy Ladies and gentlemen, it's my boy DMX Let's go ahead and just party up for a minute While I take a drink of this lemonade cocktail And prep our next story, huh? Woo! Y'all gonna make me lose my mind Up in here, up in here Y'all gonna make me go all out Up in here, up in here Y'all gonna make me act a fool Up in here To you cowards, then it's gonna be quick. I oh, you made up in the jail before. Suck my dick, and all the motherfuckers you run with get done with. Jump quick, 
How the fuck you gonna poke the dog with some bum shit? Aight, they go to gun click. Now I'm one, one shit. All over some dumb shit. Ain't that some shit? And niggas remind me of a strip club. Cause every time you come around, it's like, what? I just gotta get my dick sucked. And I don't know who the fuck you think you talking to. But I'm not him, I explain to watch what you do. Or you gon' find yourself very next to someone else. And we all thought you loved yourself. But that couldn't have been the issue. Or maybe all right, Mr. MX. Just chill for a minute. Thank you. Oh, nope, come on. There we go. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for filling some time while I had a little a little drink of lemonade to soothe the aching throat of your favorite broadcasting voice. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, sip of whatever you're drinking uh, for the, the power of the radio. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right, all right. Under the watchful eye of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Captain James Hook, um, it is now time for me to tell you the legend of the Stone of Scone. This is a, a loose entry into our Lost Treasure series. <clears throat> um, you know, every time I'm looking for treasure stories that are interesting enough for me to talk about here, I end up getting distracted with stories that are kind of loosely treasure stories, but not entirely. Um, today, I'm going to tell you one of those. Uh, 60 years after the fact, a man called Ian Hamilton would recall the most fateful night of his life as a cold one. On Christmas Eve of 1950, he and three other Scottish students set out from Glasgow, Scotland in two separate cars for the long trip south to London. The drive took about 20 hours. Neither car had any heat, so it was the cold that lingered in Hamilton's memory. For the rest of the world, it was the daring act itself that made the strongest impression. Although Ian Hamilton was studying law at the University of Glasgow, on that night he jeopardized his future career by carrying out one of the most famous thefts in the history of England. Joined by Kay Matheson, Alan Stewart, and Gavin Vernon, Hamilton broke into Westminster Abbey and stole a 336-pound piece of red sandstone, the Stone of Scone. Like any good burglar, Hamilton had scouted the Abbey some days before. These surveillance trips made the whole exploit, exploit um, possible. Although Hamilton had spent a lot of time reading about the Abbey, it was only when he visited it that he realized one of the side doors was made not of strong oak, but of much softer pine. I mean, you really got to have an eye for detail to spot something like that. Hey, that's a pretty stout-looking door. Yeah, we're probably not going to get through it. Oh, wait. No, it's pine. That's a softwood. We can do that. <laughs> This door would allow the conspirators to enter the abbey unseen and unheard after hours. During one of these visits to the abbey, Hamilton had stayed past closing time and been discovered by the custodian. Assuming that Hamilton was a drunk who had lost his way, the custodian simply let him out of the building, giving him a coin in charity. Hamilton later claimed that taking the coin from the man was the only part of the whole adventure about which he felt guilty. After all, he hardly needed it. He had received 50 pounds, which would be worth about a 1,000 pounds today, from Scottish National Party leader John McCormick. Oddly, despite this fact, McCormick was never implicated in any part of Hamilton's actions. And let's just stop there for a minute to comment on Hamilton's morality. He's pulling off one of the most daring and outrageous heists in the history of his country, or, or I guess as the neighboring country. He was a Scotsman, um, so the history of two countries, damn it. Um, and the only part he felt bad about was taking a coin in charity from the custodian. You'll understand why in a minute. Once the four conspirators arrived in London, in the early hours of Christmas Day, the real work began. While Kay Matheson remained in one of the cars with the engine running so as to make a quick getaway, the three men pried open the pine door with a crowbar. Entering the abbey, they headed straight towards the heavy oak coronation chair. And that's when their difficulties began. Commissioned by Edward I of England, the coronation chair was specifically built to hold the Stone of Scone. The stone sits beneath the seat of the chair in a small rectangular space closed off by a wooden grill. Somehow, none of the thieves had considered how heavy the stone is and how awkward it would be to remove it from the small space. So with all the advance work they did, all the planning, all the thought, all the preparation, including figuring out what the doors were made of, they forgot to think about, oh shit, this rock's probably going to be kind of heavy. 
<laughs> college students, right? Um, <laughs> wrestling with the grill, the men broke one of its wooden slats. In addition, they managed to break part of the oak chair itself. That's an oopsie. As they finally pulled the stone and free of the chair, it fell to the floor, landing on one of the men and breaking two of his toes. Probably more like crushing. Worse still, the stone itself split into two uneven pieces. So basically, everything was going great until they actually accomplished their objective, and then it was time to get out of there, and then they fucked everything up. It all went to shit. Uh, the resourceful investigator, uh, instigator, rather, Ian Hamilton, actually viewed this as a piece of luck, since the smaller piece was easier to handle. He lifted it up and hurried outside, placing it in the back seat of the Ford Anglia K. Matheson waited in. Just as he re-entered the abbey, he heard a policeman outside. Hamilton raced back out, caught Kay in his arms, and kissed her passionately. When asked by the police what they were doing there, Ian and Kay pretended that they were a couple, searching unsuccessfully for a bed and breakfast for the night. That's a spot of quick thinking worthy of a spy movie. Very well done, Mr. Hamilton and Miss Kay. Once the policeman had moved off, Matheson drove away with the small piece of the stone hidden beneath a blanket. Hamilton, meanwhile, returned to find that his co-conspirators had fled. So his boys heard the cops and they were like, fuck this, we are out. Undeterred, Hamilton removed his coat and struggled to pull the stone into it. He used the coat to drag the stone out the door and then heaved it into the trunk of the second car. At this point, now that the hard work was done, Vernon and Stewart reappeared and all three men drove away together. <laughs> the theft was discovered almost immediately, and the night watchman of the Abbey called it into the police. The authorities set up roadblocks on all roads out of London and closed the borders with Scotland and Wales. And it's important to note that in the last 400 years, this is the only time that border was closed. They did a loose closure for COVID, but the only time it's ever been fully closed was as a result of these four college students stealing an old rock after they broke it and the chair it sat under and the door. <laughs> Having left the scene earlier, Matheson had a slight advantage in escaping. Although she encountered roadblocks, she was able to get through them. Certainly the fact that she was a woman traveling alone in the car must have helped it was clear that more than one person would have been needed to carry out the theft. Evading the authorities, Matheson made it across the now-closed border and drove directly to her family's croft in Wester Ross. The men would have been more conspicuous. Uh, rather than try to make it through the roadblocks and border closures, they chose to hide the portion of the stone they had carried away. They succeeded in driving into Kent, where they buried the stone in an empty field, later returning to dig it up. Uh, they found that a group of Romani had settled into an encampment on the site. The four conspirators did eventually recover the portion of the stone and transport it to Scotland. As soon as they crossed the border into Scotland, the three men doused the stone in whiskey as part of a homecoming ritual. How very Scottish. Uh, then they had the stone secretly repaired. <laughs> the entire escapade made headlines across the world. In the United States, a monument builder, E.B. Adams of Goldthwaite, Texas, decided to carve a replica of the Stone of Scone. He contacted the U.S. State Department and the English ambassador and got permission to make this gift to the English people. Newspapers sent their reporters on wild goose chases in the hope that they would uncover the stone's hiding place. So now there's a full-blown treasure hunt going on. This stone is somewhere. We need to find it. They're on an island, after all. In January 1951, Joseph Flanagan of the United Press International News Service traveled to the island of Iona in Scotland, sure that the stone was there. While his speculation made sense, uh, many Scottish kings are buried on Iona and it holds a special place in Scottish history, he didn't find the stone. Flanagan did, however, report that the inhabitants of the island all, quote, smile at the mention of the theft, unquote. <laughs> so clearly, um, up there in Scotland, uh, there's some approval for this, uh, this nefarious behavior. Meanwhile, back in England, the theft was met with some puzzlement. In 1950, most Scots were perfectly happy with their status within the United Kingdom. Fewer than 1% of Scots supported the Scottish National Party. There was no national movement in Scotland to speak of. Uh, despite this, the authorities were wary of stirring up nationalist sentiment. This made the search for the stone just a little bit awkward. 
Luckily for them, uh, aside from scouting out the Abbey, the conspirators had really not done a very good job. They were clearly amateurs. Many years later, Hamilton, who did in the end become a criminal lawyer, confessed. I've defended a lot of daft people during my 30 years as a criminal lawyer, but I doubt very much if I've defended anyone who was as daft as we were then. Uh, So, being a very intelligent man, he recognizes that they were very, very stupid young people. Unfortunately for the four students, the police were professionals. They visited libraries in Scotland, asking if anyone had shown a special interest in the Stone of Scone. They hit paydirt at Glasgow's Mitchell Library. In the course of doing all of his research there, Ian Hamilton had checked out every single book the library had on Westminster Abbey, leaving a pretty clear trail of evidence. Slowly, the police discovered the names of all the conspirators. Kay Matheson's family croft and Wester Ross was searched repeatedly for the stone. While none of the plotters cracked, even when questioned by the police, good loyalty, they decided that they had accomplished their purpose, raising awareness of what they saw as Scotland's subordinate status within the United Kingdom. After some planning, the four contacted two Arborath town councillors, D.A. Gardner and F.W.A. Thornton, what names, uh, known to be favorable towards Scottish nationalism. Vernon, Stewart, and Hamilton arranged to meet the councillors at the ruins of the Abbey of Arborath. On April 11th, 1951, just a few short months after stealing the stone, the two councillors stood at the entrance to the Abbey, waiting. When the three students appeared, the councillors moved forward and helped them carry the heavy stone block uh, into uh, hmm, carry the heavy stone block in a wooden litter up the nave of the ruined abbey. There, they placed it on the floor where the high altar once stood. The students quickly left, and the councillors went directly to the police to report the presence of the stone at the abbey. Meanwhile, the custodian of the abbey, James Wishart immediately locked the gates of the abbey and stood guard over the stone until authorities arrived. The stone was promptly removed to safety and Forfar Police Headquarters, where it was locked into a cell. So this stone that had been sitting in Westminster Abbey for a couple hundred years um, went on quite an adventure over those few months. Oddly, although Wishart, Gardner, and Thornton all testified that the men returning the stone were reverent and bowed their heads as they placed the stone, none of these witnesses could describe the men at all. By the end of the short three and a half months in which the stone had been missing, everyone involved had achieved their aim. The students raised the issue of Scotland's independence in in the minds, not only of their fellow Scots, but of the whole world. The English, English authorities got their stone back, and the Scots had the satisfaction of knowing that some of their own had finally gotten revenge for Edward I of England's initial theft of the Stone of Scone, um, which, of course, is in true English fashion, uh, stealing important things from other countries and taking them back. While the stone was returned to its place beneath the coronation chair, it no longer resides in England. Queen Elizabeth II of England and the First of Scotland, as she is properly titled, used the coronation chair and sat above the stone in 1953. However, in 1996, the English authorities returned the stone to Scotland on condition that they may borrow it for any future coronation ceremonies, maintaining a very old tradition indeed. The Stone of Scone now is, is now displayed with other Scottish royal regalia in Edinburgh Castle. Years after the infamous theft, Ian Hamilton said, When I lifted the stone in Westminster Abbey, I felt Scotland's soul was in my hands. After the return of the scone, uh, stone to Arborath Abbey, the four conspirators never met again. How is that story not a movie yet? You could do it as a comedy or a drama. I don't care. Four college students risking their futures just for the sake of raising some awareness and having a little bit of national pride. Uh, Committing a relatively harmless crime. Stealing a valuable historical artifact. Bringing it home. Treating it with reverence and respect after they broke it. And uh, and then very quickly returning it, uh, feeling that they had made their point. uh, With the support of, of the authorities that they had been in contact with to maintain their anonymity. Absolutely amazing. Very, very cool story. Good on all of them. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to chill out for a minute. Slow things down. Halfway through this show. Probably not going to make an hour tonight, but that's okay. 
it's Tuesday. Who wants to work for an hour, you know? Get a little tunes going. I definitely need to do a Captain's Film Institute in the near future on Superbad. I have a deep and resounding love for that film due to the time period it came out and how much I identified with it. In some ways. I never drew dicks when I was a kid. I don't even draw dicks now. All right, super bad. Chill the fuck out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, getting ready to wind this show. Well, no, we're not really. We're not getting ready to wind this show down. We got a few more things to accomplish. So everybody, just kick your feet back, crack a new drink, and uh, take a sip of beer for the working man. It's not beer. I don't have beer. I have lemonade. But my lemonade has vodka in it, and that makes me happy. (laughs) All right. Here's the deal, guys. As you all know, I'm on a mission right now to raise a certain amount of funding. That amount of funding is I need $20,000. I have a portion of that already, so I need another $15,000 or so. If I raise more than that, that's great. Um, if I don't, that's okay. I'll find ways to make this happen. I got some things to sell, and you know, I'm still doing other work and that. But um, One of the primary ways I am hoping to raise that money is through this show and the other creative works I do. You're talking nonsense, the show. Uh, you're talking about the soon-to-be-released Space Junkies podcast. You're talking about uh, grown-up grade schooler doing my show and tells, doing my book reports, doing all kinds of silly, goofy shit on the Instagrams. Uh, you got Captain's Court, which is has, uh, due for a comeback, actually. You got all kinds of other fun content coming on your way. If I can raise this money, the level of content you're going to get is going to skyrocket. I'm going to take a fascinating, really cool trip It's going to take me to a lot of really interesting, really cool, really fun places in a really interesting way. Um, There will be other opportunities for you to participate in that trip and that you will benefit from it. You will benefit from this trip through the magic of podcasting because Nonsense Season 3 will be this trip. You will benefit from this trip through the benefit of YouTube because I will be filming every bit of it and creating at least a weekly video on YouTube. And uh, you'll be getting written articles. You'll be getting all kinds of cool shit on it. So let me get to the point. I've recently reactivated my Patreon page. What Patreon is, because I know a lot of people are unfamiliar with it. A long, long time ago, uh, during the Renaissance period, rich people, typically uh, barons and folks of that nature, priests, bishops, whatever, very wealthy people, would basically fund artists. Master artists, craftsmen, singers, poets, painters, you name it. And they would be patrons of the arts. They would fund these people's work in exchange for pieces of art. You know, they were like their in-house artists. It was a way to make sure that there was art always being created because as everybody knows, there's a, a, a very true stereotype of starving artists. It's hard to make money doing art. No matter what your art is, it's very difficult to do. And so... What Patreon.com is, is that's a way for modern people to do a similar process. In exchange for the work I do, if you so choose to support me financially, you go to Patreon.com backslash nonsense the show. Uh, You can find the link in my Instagram. There's a link tree thing. Click on that. You'll see it right there. It'll say support me through Patreon. It'll take you right to the page. You'll have several different options of ways that you can choose to support me. Right now it's set up so that you... If you choose to to participate this way, the default will be you will pay me $1, $5, whatever you choose is appropriate per episode of Nonsense, the show that I put up that's monetized. I promise you I will never do more than four in a month that are monetized. You will have four monetized episodes a month. That's the deal. I want you to be totally clear on what you're getting. The beauty of Patreon, though, is you're not stuck with that payment model. You can pay one time. You can do a recurring. You can do a monthly. You are in control of how many times and how long that goes on. You can stop it at any time. And you can can control the frequency and the amount. So what I'm asking you to do is if you enjoy the content I produce, whether that be nonsense, the show, or anything else, or if you just, even if you don't enjoy it, but you tune in because you want to support me and you want to help me out with these big goals and help me start making a living with this creative work, please, through my Instagram page, uh, click on that link, go to patreon.com, nonsense the show, 
and uh, take a look at it and see if it's worth supporting. There are little benefits for, for each tier of support um, that are things that are not going to cost me run- money right now because everything is going towards this trip. But there are ways that I will give you content, you know, a thank you videos. You can participate in nonsense. You can suggest topics. I'm open to other ideas. If you guys have something you would like me to add in there that would make it worthwhile to you to donate. Um, once Patreon gets a little bit more active, I'll be doing uh, special episodes just for them, free episodes just for Patreon, nobody else. Um, there will be written content. Obviously, there will be video content since I'm starting that. The YouTube channel will be launching soon. i got a big filming day tomorrow I'm very, very excited about. Can't wait to tell you guys about the field trip series that's coming. Um, I think you're going to dig it. So um, that's my kind of rambling sales pitch about patreon.com. I hope I hope it was clear enough for you guys to understand what that is, why it's important to me and uh how to get there if you so choose to support me. Nothing else is going to change on the show. If you don't want to support me on Patreon, you don't fucking have to. You're still going to get four episodes of nonsense the show uh into your into your inbox every week, okay? You're still going to get it. You're still going to get the Instagram content. You're still going to have access to the YouTube content, okay? This is just if you want to support me. And if you choose to, I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much. If you don't choose to, that's okay. I still fucking love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for clicking the like button and leaving a comment and telling me you enjoy it. Um, it, It's hard to explain without sounding like you're begging for approval, but every like, even more so every comment, even more so every message saying, hey, I really like this part, or I really enjoyed that, or hey, your podcast makes me happier when it comes out, or I look forward to it every week, or I listen to it when I'm working out or doing chores. All of that feedback means so freaking much to me, and it's really motivating because for as much fun as I have doing this, it it can get kind of lonely. Like You don't get a lot of feedback. So sometimes you're just sitting here in a room talking to yourself on a microphone for an hour, realizing like, wow, this is kind of strange. And then you put it up on the internet and a bunch of people listen to it and you know that, but, but then you don't know what they think. And then you start thinking like, wow, did I say something stupid? Did I embarrass myself? Oh shit. And that's, you know, when your head gets kind of fucky, it's not good. Don't do that. (laughs) So if you don't want to support me financially, but you do want to support me, please feel free to send me a message. Tell me what you like about the show. Just tell me that you like it. You know, um, all of that means a lot. And no matter what, just thank you for tuning in. It's really cool. I enjoy doing this stuff. It's a lot of fun. And I'm hoping to take it on to bigger levels coming up soon. Okay, 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 okay. What's next? What's coming up next? Um, I don't think I have any music that's going to be appropriate for this. Certainly not available. So we'll just listen to this techno song from the Live Aquatic with Steve Zissou for a second. And I'm going to mute my microphone so I can cough. Stand by. If you haven't seen the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, you should. It's a great film. Okay, that's enough. Turn it off. 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 Thank you. Okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, as we start heading into the home stretch of this show, episode 220 of Nonsense, the show, hope you're having as much fun as I am, but I've got a problem. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, your fearless captain has a problem. Why is the rum always gone? Well, the good news is the rum is not gone. I actually do have a bottle sitting next to me right now. Um, but my drink is empty. I'm not drinking rum tonight. I'm drinking lemonade vodkas. I don't know how that's going to sound to you guys, but in my headphones, that sounded crisp. So I got a fresh drink. I got a show to finish. We're going to do a little bit of music to round this thing out. We're going to save Ernest Hemingway for another night. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, to Emily, because I know you in particular are waiting for this story, but I don't think we're going to have time for the Micronations. Sorry. Shit. Um, But here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a Captain's Film Institute. We're going to do a little music. And then uh, we'll see what happens after the credits. You know, what kind of bugs are going to get up? What kind of music am I going to find on the the playlist? I don't know. 
I don't know. I got no idea. Let me take a sip of this drink and then I'm going to tell you about a movie. Now, any regular uh, listeners of Nonsense, the show, are going to know um, that I tend to enjoy movies. Ever since I was a child, I've been a movie fan. Uh, there have been periods where I've been a movie fanatic. I think my collection right now is 650, something like that. <clears throat> Collected over years and years and years. You know, um, I love movies. I rewatch movies multiple times. I read about movies online. I pay attention to how they frame shots and how they choose sound effects and what kind of shit our actor's face is doing. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an auteur. I'm not a connoisseur. I'm not a critic. I'm just a dude who likes fucking movies. I like comedy movies mostly because I like to laugh. I like action movies because I like watching cool people blow shit up. I like historical movies because I like uh, to, to imagine what it used to look like. I like animated movies because animation's fun as fuck. You can do all kinds of cool shit with animation. Today that we're going to talk to you about a movie, a movie that's probably pretty responsible for my love of a certain genre, not just of movie, but a certain genre of lifestyle. This is a movie that was partially responsible for driving me to a life of piracy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about a 1990 family action adventure film. Uh, from Norway uh, that is now available for you on Disney+. Plus. So check it out. This is a film called Shipwrecked. Welcome to the Captain's Film Institute. Shipwrecked uh, in, in Norway. It was called Hakan Hakansen, who was the main character. It's a 1990 family action adventure film d- directed by a guy called Nils Gwap. Gaup. Gaup, not Gwap. Um, it's actually a dramatization of a Norwegian book uh, called Hakan Hakansen and Norsk Robinson, um, which is totally based off of the 1750-something book, uh, Robinson Crusoe. So now you know the history of the book, uh, which is the history of the movie, and now let me tell you about the movie. Um, it's about an hour and a half long. It's a movie about a little boy called Hakan, who, as a result of his father's injury and the looming loss of their family farm, has to go to sea to serve as a ship's boy on a sailing ship. He goes under the watchful eye of one of his uh, now-retired sailor father's friends, a guy called Jens. They get on board the ship, and the boy is in a new world. He gets hazed, but he learns, and he earns his place, and he earns his confidence, and soon enough, he earns his first port of call. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is this little boy surrounded by a group of men in a tavern. Uh, One of them comes back with an armful of tankards and he starts handing them out to everybody and he puts one down in front of the boy and they all, all the guys around the table go, bottoms up, bottoms up. And so the kid takes a big drag out of the, out of the tankard and then he kind of pulls the cup down and he, he looks a little surprised and he wipes his mouth and he says very surprisedly, milk. And you can see all the other guys at the table start laughing, a little prank on the youngster. So soon enough, it's young Hawk, Hawkinson's turn, uh, young Hawkins' turn to go buy the next round. So he stands up, he goes to buy a round, he comes back and he passes them out to all the guys, and he says, bottoms up, bottoms up, and they all take a big drink, and sure enough, he's got them all cups of milk. <laughs> and it's just a simple little scene, and it's just a simple little gag. But I distinctly remember, you know, starting out in law enforcement, um, and, and it's, it's this way in any group, but, and, and the little hazings that happen. The little things they do to kind of test you, to see what kind of person you are, to see how you respond to, to, to jokes or pranks or difficulties or annoyances or whatever. And soon enough, you earn your place and you earn your, your kind of comfort level there. So that's a scene that just made me happy. Um, so as he gets more comfortable soon enough, um, they take on a Royal Navy officer. Uh, where is his name? Uh, supposedly his name is Howell. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, ostensibly he joins the crew so that he can protect them from pirates on their way to their next port of call. Well, on the way, the captain dies and this Navy officer takes over. Soon enough, he cancels shore leave and he takes on a new crew in addition to the, to the old one, uh, who's made up of some really rough and tumble people. As the voyage continues, one night Hawken is down below decks and he finds a stowaway, 
a young lady by the name of Mary. <clears throat> and she turns into a little bit of a love interest for him. You know, he's a young kid. She's a young kid. They're about the same age. And she is one of my favorite characters in the movie because she's just this tough, resourceful uh, person who's just finding her way in a world where, you know, as hard as it is for Hawken, it's way harder for her because she's a girl. Well, he keeps her secret, doesn't dime her out. Soon enough, though, she's discovered. And Hawken has to answer for his crime. Just as he's about to take 40 lashes from the cat of nine tails, a storm breaks out. The mast is broken, the ship is wrecked, and he's by himself on a deserted island. Without going into too much detail, I don't want to spoil things for you. He finds some treasure. He finds his friends. He builds some traps. He fights the bad guys. She shoots the cannon. They get away with the treasure. Spoilers. Don't worry about it. Watch this movie. Watch it with your kids. Watch it with your significant other. Watch it with your dog or your cat or your fish or whoever the fuck you got living in your house. You're going to love it. Disney Plus. It's called Shipwrecked. One of my favorite films um, and one of my favorite uh, pirate films, quite frankly. So that's it, you guys. That's it. That's that's the Captain's Film Institute for the week. That's the Lost Treasure thing for the week. Uh, that's uh, what else did we do? We talked about Patreon. We talked about Genghis Khan. We talked about creepy fucking Bayou Swamp monsters. Things got a little wild tonight. It was a pretty fucking fun show. Don't you agree? Hello? Don't you? Come on, just say it. Yeah, I knew you'd agree. <laughs> Now, what are we going to listen to as we close out the show? Because we got to pick some good songs, right? We can't, we can't just like end the show without some fun music that I don't have, uh, that I don't have the, uh, what do you call it? The rights to. <laughs> just scrolling through this playlist to see what's out there. Here, let's put on, uh, we'll put on this one for a minute. Yeah, it's your boy Snoop Dogg, Pharrell. And if you haven't sung this song to yourself while you're parking your car or something, while you're cruising down the road, you see a cop, get your hand on the wheel, lean back a little bit, pretend you're smoking a dude like Snoop, Martha. Uh, then you sing along a little bit, right? When the pimp's in the crib, ma, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you, park it like it's hot, park it like it's hot, park it like it's hot. And if a nigga get an attitude, pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot. I got the rollie on my arm and I'm pouring Sean Don and I'm all the best weed cause I got it going on, ma. I'm a nice All right, all right, guys. Be cool, be cool, be cool. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks. So in case you haven't noticed, the show's pretty much over. We're going to do a little music stuff before I close it out, but uh, thank you all for listening. Actually, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little music after we close it out. <laughs> you could tell the uh, Lemonades from Paso Wineshine are kicking in and doing their work. And I appreciate that very much. So you should go buy some alcohol. Tell them Captain Nick sent you. And tell them to send me some more of this vodka lemonade because this shit is the bomb.com. Um, okay, next week. Uh, Movable Feast by Mr. Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. Next week, another edition of the Captain's Film Institute, another edition of the Lost Treasure series, maybe some more monsters, definitely some more music, definitely some more arguing with ghosts on the fucking computer. We're going to play a wonderful game what? called no. Who is my daddy oh. and what does he do? What the fuck? Yes? By the power of Christ. Yeah, that's what I said. What the fuck? Why would we? We're not going to play that game. We're going to end the show. We're going to listen to some music. Throw me a freaking bone here. Oh, come on. I'm the boss. No, you're not. Need the info. No, you fucking don't. You don't need shit. Holy shnikes. Oh, my God. Can I just finish the show, please? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. Yes, everybody knows. It's called Nonsense the Show. That's exactly what it is. Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. Okay, you just copied the last guy. What the fuck is the wrong with it? Come on. Like, I just... Can I finish this, please? Please? I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. Prove what? There's nothing to prove. I don't know what you're trying to prove to people. That guy oh my in God. a little coat. Oh, my God. That guy okay. little Listen, I've gained a little quarantine weight. Let's not get into it, okay? It hurts my feelings. Here's the deal. This has been Nonsense, the show. I'm so glad you guys joined me. Stay tuned if you want to listen to some fucking music. We're going to do some big showing after this. 
Little I don't fuck with you. Nonsense 220. That's it. Go to Patreon. Pay me some money. I need your help. I love you. Bye. Soaker of fine cognac. Goodbye. And now it's time for a song that gets me pumping and gets me singing every time. I love this song. And I love the movie it's from, which I can't remember the name of, but it's Ice Cube and Charlie Day, and it's fucking great now. Listen to Big Sean, because I don't want to fuck with you. Oh my God, get uh. on You? Tell him. You little stupid ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. That's right, no, he's not. Don't you little, shit. You little dumb ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. He said it, you heard him. I got a million trillion things I'd rather fucking do. Me too. You know? Then to be fucking with you. Do it. You little stupid ass, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck, bitch. I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. I heard you got a new man, I see you taking the pic. Wow. Then you post it up, thinking that it's making me sick. I see you calling, I be making it quick. I'ma answer that shit like I don't fuck with you. Bitch, I got no feelings to go. I swear I had it up to here, I got no feelings to go. I mean, for real, fuck how you feel. Fuck it too since if it ain't going towards the bill yeah and every day i wake up celebrating shit why because i just dodged the bullet from a crazy bitch i stuck to my guns that's what made me risk that's what put me on that's what got me here that's what made me this and everything that i do is my first name these hoes chase bread all oh, damn she got a bird brain ain't nothing but trilling me oh man silly me i just bought a crib three stories that bitch a trilogy and you know i'm rolling we just fucking up the ozone i got a bitch that text me she ain't got no clothes on and then another one text me yo ass next and i'ma text your ass back like I don't fuck with you You little stupid ass bitch I ain't fucking with you You little You little dumb ass bitch I ain't fucking with you I got a million trillion things I'd rather fucking do Than to be fucking with you Little stupid ass I don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck bitch I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do Don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do Got a million things on my mind Executive deals online Limited amount of time Chasing these dollars My man E-40 Find me up in the MGM casino in the deep Fucking off Fetty I could've put on property From the bait of the murder rate My niggas put murder mission She choosing that's her decision Free my niggas in prison On the phone with a bitch Who can't do shit For a pimp But make a nigga hella rich Got a blunt and my dental, blowing hemp and a rental on my way to Sacramento, late night, Arsenio. Arsenio. I'm never sentimental, go hard or go homeless, really hardly I'm chromeless, uh, you might end up domeless. Uh, I bet you she into me, her cheddar she giving I me. I bitch stand outside forever like the Statue of Liberty. Mm. Rest in pimp, pimp seat, underground king of the south. I raise my styrofoam up and pour some drink in my mouth. Pull. Why you always coming around with bad news? Bad news. Say you want me to win, but hope I lose. Hope I lose. never rock with other niggas in the crew. crew. But them niggas cool. cool, it's just that. Bitch, I ain't fucking with you. You little stupid ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. Uh uh. You little, you little dumb ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. I got a million trillion things I'd rather fucking do than to be fucking with you. Little stupid ass, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck, bitch. I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. Don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. I don't give a fuck, I don't give a fuck, I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck, bitch. I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. Don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. I got a new chick that I gotta thank God for. I got a new whip that I gotta thank the lot for. Yeah, I got a lot, but want a lot more. Yeah, we in the building, but I'm trying to take it to the top floor. I swear I hear some new bullshit every day I'm waking up. It seems like nowadays everybody breaking up. That shit could break it down if you lose a good girl. I guess you need a bad bitch to come around and make it up. I guess drama makes for the best content everything got a bad side even the conscience now you're drinking till you're unconscious feel me when you get a fine bitches don't forget to read the fine print life got me meditating like i'm in the himalayas keep a g with the l on me like the elevator yeah i know that karma too real so i hope you're doing cool but still stupid ass bitch
bitch, I ain't fucking with you. Shout out Big Sean and E40 Thanks for the tune fellas Shouts to the Bay Bay Area represent Bay Area proud God bless the Bay Speaking of the Bay Maybe we can get someone from the Bay Someone who can fucking take us out Once we finish up this tune You know what I mean Somebody we all know and love Voice from our childhood Wonder what kind of individual that could be. Uh, don't start that song over, Big Sean. What the fuck's wrong with you? All right, Robin, take it away. Close this show out proper, right? I'm out of here. That's it, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. I'm out of here.